This podcast contains graphic content and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Katie. And you're listening to Murder, Mayhem, and and Merlot. I know that it was technically my case today. Um, however, I have a lot going on. I have a trip that I've had to plan for. Uh, my son's Make-A-Wish trip is next week. And the news was here. And there's just so much going on that Katie graciously offered to do the episode this week. Yesterday. I offered yesterday. She did. Um, she was like, hey, what's your case on? And I was like, ah. Uh, um, that's a good question, Katie. Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and I was like, you don't have one, do you? She said, no. No. <laughs> um, and then next week will also, <laughs> I will not be here. I will actually be on said trip. So Katie will do an episode then, but she will not be alone. There will be a guest with her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know she's pretty happy about that. And I will be listening. So fun okay i will okay and katie take it away what's your what you doing the longo family i think i've heard of that yeah it's it's a popular it's i mean it's a well-known case but it's also theorized that some murders that happened some years later are kind of based on this one that he kind of took tips so like a copycat killer not necessarily a copycat like literally took tips and kind of got, like, an idea from this case. Because okay. they have a lot of very similar things. Okay. The Longo family seemed to be a very happy and normal family. Mary and Christian Longo got married in 1993 when Christian was 19 and Mary was 26. Christian was 18 when they met and Mary was 25. And they met because they were both very devout Jehovah's Witnesses. And they actually met in the parking lot after a service one day. And Christian had never had a girlfriend before because his parents wouldn't let him date. And so he was like, hey, mom, dad, I'm going to date this one. And they were like, no, you're not. And he was like, yes, I am. And they said, well, you can pack up your bags and go live somewhere else. Hit the road, Jack. And date her. Or you can live here and not date her. Wow, Katie. I've not parents giving their kid an ultimatum based off the person that they want to be with. I mean, you would have never heard of that, would you? Couldn't be me. Couldn't be you. Couldn't be me. I, I mean, could not be a Mary. No. I mean, just minus the Jehovah's Witness, but I mean... Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't, You just wouldn't know what that was like. Not at all. I don't know if y'all could hear the sarcasm or, you know, us hinting at an inside joke, but anyways, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so, he moved out. He dated Mary. They dated for a little less than a year, and they got married. The two were married for eight years, and over that eight-year span, they had three children. 
The oldest was four-year-old Zachary, three-year-old Sadie, and their youngest was two-year-old Madison. Mary was a stay-at-home mother to the children for most of the time after they'd had the kids, and Christian worked part-time at a Starbucks, but he also had 158 million jobs before that. That's a lot. The family lived in Michigan originally, but they would end up in Walpole. 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 Yes. No. They would end up in Walport, Oregon. Like I said, Mary and Christian, they were very religious. They stayed very devout Jehovah's Witnesses throughout their marriage as long as they were allowed to. Everyone around saw them as an ideal family, but inside they struggled financially pretty bad. They were It was pretty bad. Christian was shit with money, to put it frank. He was very bad with money. He spent money on things that they didn't need and then just lied about it. Great. Oh, yeah. Christian's reckless spending started pretty early in their relationship. Christian bought Mary a three-carat diamond ring for his proposal to her, which he could not afford. Christian was paying for it via a payment plan with the jewelry store. Pretty normal. There was one month that he did not have the money to pay for the ring, so he decided to steal $108 from the camera store that he was working at at the time. When management found out, they, of course, questioned all of the employees about it, but Christian didn't say anything. Instead, the next day, he placed the money and a resignation letter inside of an envelope and put it on top of the counter at the store. But Mary Jane stayed by his side through this, even though she knew that he did it, and that's just a red flag, Mary, but pop off. And Christian said he learned his lesson and he would never do anything illegal again. Bullshit. (laughs) Christian had a couple jobs that he worked for a while and then quit. After those jobs, he decided to open his own construction business. Christian wasn't getting the flow of money like he thought that he would. So one day, Christian made a fake ID, went and test drove a van at a local dealer, and never returned with it. He changed the plates on the van and used it for his construction business. He started to pick up a few customers. He ended up right back at square one. He started lying about the things he was buying and stealing things. He had actually bought two jet skis and a boat at one point. Mind you, they're financially struggling. But he told everyone that he won them in a contest. That that seems legit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He bought two cars. One would later get repossessed for non-payment. Shocking. And the other broke down. And of course, it's very normal when they started having these horrible financial issues, they started having marriage issues. But on top of the financial troubles, Mary one day found emails that Christian was sending back and forth with another woman, and she told her sister about it. Mary did end up confronting Christian about the emails, but Christian made it her fault. He told Mary that she was not fun anymore, and he didn't love her. The audacity. Yeah, and he, he said that it was after she had all three of their children. Right. Like, she just wasn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Mary actually went to the church elders about the issues and reported to them the cheating as well. The elders sanctioned Christian for the second time. The first time that he was sanctioned by the elders was when he stole the money from his work. Christian didn't stop at the stealing, lying, and cheating. He moved to check fraud. Christian was arrested for the first time for this, and he pled guilty in court. He got away pretty good with this. He got three years of probation had to serve community service, and he was ordered to pay back the money that he wrote the bad checks for. After his conviction, Christian was disfellowshipped from the church. Christian went straight back to his bad habits, though, after this, and opened a credit card in his father's name, racking up over $100,000 in debt. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
not only did he ruin his own family, he decided to destroy his dad's credit. Yeah. Because that's what you should do. And so at this time, Christian and Mary decided, let's just move and start over. Mind you, he could not do this because he was on probation. You're not allowed to move. Right. He did, though. So. So I'm sure that he ended up with a warrant. Police are trying to find him, but they didn't care. This is when the couple moved to Ohio, and they moved into a warehouse that didn't have much plumbing, and it had no running water, and sometimes it had electricity. It was not made for a family of five to live in, or anyone for that matter. Christian told Mary that the warehouse was paid for for the next six months, which was a bold-faced lie. Mary's family had tried to contact her for a few days via phone calls, but they could never get a hold of her. After they couldn't reach her for a few days, they actually filed a missing persons report. In November, the family received a letter from Mary that was addressed from South Dakota, stating, quote, Sorry, we moved. Can't call now, but we'll be in touch. Which I'm like, that's a weird way to respond to phone calls. Yeah. Like, you write a letter that's like, sorry, we moved. You couldn't call your parents back and say that? Mm-hmm. It's weird. The Longo family moved around any time the police would get close to closing in on them. This is when they moved to Oregon and rented a Bayfront condo in Walport. This is when Christian got his part-time job at Starbucks. He would tell coworkers and customers that he was a famous entrepreneur and only worked there because he loved their coffee. Sure. So if you're a famous entrepreneur, just go get Starbucks every day. Yeah. Don't. Like, that's not even believable, my guy. Christian would spend every last dollar of his paychecks within hours of receiving them. The family barely had food or water to live off of at this point. On December 16th, 2001, Christian stood alone on the balcony of their condo, pondering what to do next. He knew this couldn't go on much longer, and he had to make a decision. On December 19th, a man found a small body floating face down in Elisa Bay near his RV lot. He called the police, and after they arrived, the body was pulled out and found to have a pillowcase with rocks to weigh it down tied to the body. Investigators made a digitally enhanced photo recreation of the boy's face and televised it all over the news. One of Christian's previous co-workers, who sometimes babysat for the Longos, called police and said the photo looked just like four-year-old Zachary Longo. Divers continued to search the bay and river, and three days later, they found the body of three-year-old Sadie. Her tiny body had also had a pillowcase of rocks tied to her leg to weigh her down. On December 26, two suitcases were found with bodies inside of each suitcase. One contained the body of 34-year-old Mary, and the other had two-year-old Madison inside. The suitcases had dumbbells inside to weigh them down. Investigators noticed just one person was missing from this now-deceased family and that was Christian Longo. The search for Christian was on, and while detectives did this, autopsies were performed on the Longo family. In the autopsies, it was discovered that Mary and the youngest child, Madison, had been strangled to death and then placed inside of the suitcases. From there, it was speculated that Christian loaded the suitcases into the trunk and then grabbed his two sleeping children, Zachary and Sadie, loaded them into the car, and drove to the bay. He arrived at the water and parked at a bridge that was over the bay. He filled up two pillowcases with rocks and then tied them to the children's feet. He picked each child up one by one and threw them in the water. Zachary and Sadie were still alive when they were thrown in the water. The two kids drowned to death. But for Christian, he felt free. Yeah. Yeah, he put his wife and his baby in suitcases after he strangled them. And then took his sleeping children, the other two, a four and a three-year-old, 
tied rocks to them and then throw them in off a bridge. I have like no words. I'm disgusted. Over money. Yeah, I'm just disgusted. The fear those kids went through. Yeah. I can't. I'm, oh my God. And being asleep and then waking up probably to your dad just tying a pillowcase of rocks to your foot. Yeah. I mean, even if if they didn't, I mean, they probably woke up to that. But even if they didn't wake up to that. They would have woke up falling off the bridge. And like, just think about when you're sleeping and you have a dream that you're falling or, you know, you all of a sudden like jolt and how panicked you, you are, are when you wake from that moment yeah and just imagine that's what you're actually doing yeah that's terrifying and you're a, a baby who doesn't understand yeah and i i, I for I, money <laughs> yeah it's disgusting mm-hmm. christian then fled to cancun using a stolen credit card and stayed at a beachfront resort he just started living his best life he assumed a fake identity while he was in mexico Christian went by the name Michael Finkel, who was a New York Times reporter that, for a time, Christian was a huge fan of. So, one of his jobs, possibly, that he had before he tried to start the construction business was working in, like, a warehouse for the New York Times. No one has ever been able to pinpoint for sure if he actually had the job or not. He lied all the time, Mm -hmm. and no one's really ever found, like, any physical evidence that he worked there. But when he said that he did... He was literally obsessed with this reporter, Michael Finkel. Like, he read all of his stuff, kept all of his stuff. He was obsessed. So, when he went to Mexico, he just decided that he would be Michael Finkel. Christian partied all the time while he was there, spent thousands of dollars on drinks and just having a good time. And he even had a girlfriend who was a German woman living in Mexico. The FBI put Christian on their top 10 most wanted list and after a tourist recognized his face they tracked him down to cancun in january of 2002 christian had relocated to tolu in the meantime local authorities and one fbi agent found him on january 13 2002 and asked if he was christian longo and without hesitation he said yes i am he was then taken into custody and taken back to the usa where he would be booked and held until his trial Michael Finkel was soon contacted by a reporter who wrote for The Oregonian and asked about his thoughts on the man who impersonated him while on the run for alleged murder. Finkel had no knowledge of this case until then, but he soon became obsessed with it. Finkel went so far as to fly to Oregon to have a sit-down face-to-face talk with Christian. Christian agreed to talk with Finkel as long as Finkel gave him writing lessons and promised not to share his side of the story until after the trial was over. Finkel and Christian spoke once every week on the phone and sent thousands of letters back and forth. Christian had told many different stories about who and why the murders happened, but the one that he would stick with most often when he spoke to people was that Mary killed Zachary and Sadie, and by pure reaction, he strangled Mary and then strangled Madison because he, quote, Felt helpless for Madison. What a crock of shit. Well, it's a crock of shit. A steaming hot crock of shit. Like, you're this big, you know, liar and you can't lie better than that? I know. Sir, you've been lying since 1993 when you married Mary. You've been lying since God was a boy. (laughs) And and now you come up with this pathetic ass excuse. Mm Mm-hmm. Miss me with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. The trial started in March of 2003, where Christian had a surprise in store for everyone in attendance. 
Without anyone knowing, Christian pled guilty to Mary and Madison's murder, but not Zachary or Sadie's. The court enters a not guilty plea for Christian on his behalf to those two counts and proceeds with the trial. At some point during the trial, Finkel is contacted by an FBI agent and asked if he would turn over anything that he had about Christian or anything that Christian had said to him pertaining to the murders, to which Finkel refused. Prosecution states that Christian's family had become too much of a financial burden on him and that there was evidence that Christian had been planning their murders for quite some time. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. During the trial, prosecution showed where Christian had viewed a book called Hitman several times, which told of several ways to murder someone, including, quote, the corpse should be weighed down with concrete blocks, but it must be wrapped from head to toe. Christian had also been collecting obituaries that he had cut from newspapers. Prosecution assumed that this was so he could use the identity of someone that was deceased after the murders were done. Christian had also gotten rid of the children's clothing as well as Mary's and any photo of Mary or the children. Neighbors in the condo reported hearing dragging noises the night of the murders and one eyewitness said that he saw and spoke with Christian on the bridge. The FBI agent that arrested Christian in Mexico testified in court stating that Christian said to him during the arrest, quote, I sent them to a better place. Motherfucker, what? <laughs> so you have no remorse. You literally think that you did them a favor. That's what you just said in that one sentence. No. What prosecution lacked, though, was any physical evidence. And the jury struggled with the idea that this religious and boyish-looking man could have murdered his entire family. <coughs> yeah. No comment? Mm-hmm. Keep going. <laughs> Christian would be his own key witness when the defense's turn came. He took the stand and spoke endearingly about his childhood and his religion, as well as when each of his children were born. He then shared his story of that night. He said that he and his wife went out on a date where Mary confronted him about thinking that he had been lying to her again. The next night, he thought long and hard about their argument that had happened the night before on their date, and he felt that it was time to come clean about everything. He told Mary about all the lies and the cheating and all of the things that he had stolen, he said that Mary went into a rage and hit him, and after they argued, he decided to sleep on the couch. He slept for a couple of hours before he had to get up for work, so that morning, he kissed his kids goodbye, and he went into work. Mary drove him there. After his shift was over, he said that Mary picked him up, like she always did, but he said that something was off. Christian said that Mary had come with no shoes on and only a robe, and that the children weren't with her, which was abnormal. When they arrived at the condo, he said Mary would not go inside. He ran upstairs and entered the condo to find Madison lifeless on the bed. Mary came inside and Christian said he started shaking her, screaming at her and asking her what happened and where the other two kids were. He stated that Mary looked at him and said, quote, You did this. You killed us. Zachary and Sadie are in the water. Christian then said that he lost it and strangled Mary to death and began to put hers and Madison's body inside of suitcases. But when he went to put Madison in the suitcase, he realized that she was still barely breathing. So instead of calling 911 and trying to get his two-year-old baby help, he decided to take his hand and push it down on her throat to completely cut off her airway until he knew that she couldn't breathe anymore. This was his reasoning for the different causes of death and disposals. So he said that's why Zachary and Sadie had had pillowcases with rocks tied to them and they were thrown in, but 
Madison and Mary were in suitcases because he didn't kill the other two, he said. The jury deliberated for just four hours on April 7th in 2003. When they came back, Christian Longo had been found guilty of aggravated murder of his two oldest children, as well as having already pled guilty to Mary and Madison's murders. Then on April 16th, they sentenced Christian to death by lethal injection. Michael Finkel had been there throughout the trial and was there in court the day that Christian was sentenced. When Christian was being taken out of the courtroom after the sentence was given, he winked at Finkel. Finkel would later say that that was the moment that he knew that Christian was a cold-blooded killer and had been using him as a pawn. Oh, yeah. Like, that's... I mean, I, I get wanting to get a story, but... um, Well, Michael Finkel had been fired. Oh. Yeah. Michael Finkel, when Christian was in Cancun right after the murders, Finkel actually got fired from the New York Times because of him using false information okay in an article okay so he didn't even have a job like <laughs> he may have at this point but it wasn't with the new york times right so but what i'm saying is this is something i've heard of before like killers using mm -hmm. the media the media to use them as a pawn mm -hmm. you know it's attention seeking oh yeah you know so that doesn't surprise me Oh, yeah. And trying to have someone, quote, get his story. Right. So it can yeah. be made into a book or something later. Because mm -hmm. that's what Christian wanted. Yeah. And he asked for writing lessons. Yeah. What are you going to do? You going to write it? My God. That comes into play later. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Christian would appeal one time, but he would have his conviction and sentence upheld once more. Then he did something unexpected. He wrote a confession letter to the New York Times. The letter said, quote, Eight years ago, I was sentenced to death for the murders of my wife and three children. I am guilty. I once thought that I could fool others into believing that this was not true. Failing that, I tried to convince myself that it didn't matter. But gradually, the enormity of what I did seeped in. That was followed by remorse and then a wish to make amends. He goes on further in the letter and details his life in prison and asks that his organs be donated after he's put to death. But on December 13th, 2022, Governor Kate Brown commuted Christian's death sentence as well as 17 others that were also on death row. Well, wait. Yes. Everyone in the state of Oregon had their death sentences commuted to life without the possibility of parole in 2022. I mean... I'm not anti-death penalty. Mm -mm. I'm really not. I truly think some people deserve it. But I also like the idea of someone having to sit in prison mm -hmm. and think about what they've done for the rest of their lives. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, like in the case of Randy May, who gets to go out, you know, and play basketball with his fellow inmates. No, I mean, max security, you know, mm -hmm. there is no fun. There's just you sitting there. 23 hours a day. Yeah. Isolation. Yes. Thinking about what you did. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm okay with that too. But yeah, that's, that's wild. Mm -hmm. Michael Finkel went on to write a book called True Story about his experiences with Christian. And Christian rots in the Oregon State Penitentiary to this day. Wow. Yeah. After his sentence was commuted, her family, specifically her sister, released a statement 
in the form of a video. She's pretty upset. You can look it up and watch it. I mean, of course, Mm -hmm. they're upset. The governor released a statement after she commuted all the sentences because a lot of people were pissed. And she was like, I just hope people can understand. No. But they don't. But they don't. The family, these people don't understand. No. And it's, they lost an innocent life. Like, they, they are hurting. Yeah. And it, and, and it just made it worse. I'm, I'm all for someone being sentenced to death. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I you know, I'm with you. I like the idea of for certain things, if they're sentenced to life without the possibility of parole, just sitting there and going crazy in a room by themselves all day. But also, it's like, could you look at four-year-old Zachary, three-year-old Sadie, and two-year-old Madison and say, I know that your dad took your life, but mm-hmm. he gets to live. Yeah. And that's what I think about in a case like this. I'm I like, and or look at Mary and say, hey, I know that your husband, who you stayed behind and supported through all of his bullshit, mm-hmm. killed you, but he gets to live. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I, after going to what was supposed to be a maximum security prison. I know. Like, I'm like, that's this what is I'm saying. a joke. Yeah, this it is. is a joke. It is. And... And that's and how not, much money we spend on these motherfuckers. I'm like, fuck y'all. I'm not paying for your cookouts no more. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, um, it's, it's different after we went to what was supposed to, what's considered a maximum security prison. Oh, yeah. We learned a lot. Yeah, like we got a different outlook. <laughs> yeah, our eyes were opened. I mean. For sure. Nailed. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the thing about that. And I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, 100% agree. But that's not... Well, that, I mean, I know, I understand that the system itself with death penalties mm-hmm. come with its own, like, it's expensive, actually. Right. I and, mean, like, it it's is. actually more expensive, I've read, to, right, to execute someone than it is to keep them in prison, which I know sounds crazy, right? Right. But I mean, it's a very expensive process. But it's process. very expensive. And there are people who have died. Who, who are completely accused. and that's innocent. the flip side of it is yes. like so while you gotta and that's the thing you know even though so our system has got to improve oh yeah all the way around oh, it, yeah. the whole thing is bullshit even though I feel very strongly that Christian did it there was never physical evidence physical evidence right ever yeah and if there's one thing DNA is gonna do it's gonna not lie yeah like, I mean I know and if you have none it does make it so, in one hand, I get it, but in the other hand, I'm like, fuck. Like, I know. It's it's definitely... Because um, they never had any other suspects. Right. Ever. It's definitely a hard, hard thing. Oh, yeah. And, and there are two sides to it, and I understand that. But I do think there are people who, who deserve to, mm-hmm. to die for mm-hmm. what they've done. And oh, that's, yeah. you know, others listening probably don't agree, and that's fine, but... I guess, and I come from someone who, who I, I have a cousin who was brutally murdered mm-hmm. um, at 16, and I never got to meet her. And, you know, hearing of the life that her murderer lives, lives you're just in, like, in max security. I'm like, why didn't, why wasn't he put to death? Because there's no question that he did it. Right. He admits it that he did it. Yeah. So I'm like, well, why is, why is he just hanging out? You know, yeah. like, you know, but so, anyways, I'm going off. I'm going on a tangent, but I get, I get it. But, then again, yeah. I don't. So it's a double-edged sword. It is. That's the word I was looking for, or the saying I was looking for: double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword. Thank sword. you. Yeah, you're welcome. Anyway, that's well, the case. What was the murder you were talking about? That was mimicking. Oh yeah. So the murder that's theorized because it's very similar uh-huh. is 
Chris Watts. Oh, you know, I was kind of thinking about that. Yeah. But Family Annihilators, well, they that, all kind of, you know, that they're not, they're far few between, kind of. And so when you hear about one Family Annihilator, you're going to think of the others. But anyways. yeah. Yeah, a lot of people just found it similar, like, where it had, like, odd disposals and, like, yeah. he starts just living the dream life. I mean, Family Annihilators, we've talked about this in other episodes, like the one I did on... Um, Why are they all named Chris or Christian? Also, that is so true! Why are they all, like... <laughs> I mean, that's wild. Like, I'm not saying they're all bad, but if you're married to a Chris or a Christian, you should check your shit. Like... <laughs> like <laughs> That maybe a, maybe maybe um he should do a mental evaluation yeah, I don't know. Maybe no get, we're joking kind of checked out. um uh, <laughs> <laughs> no but so it's like you know joyce meyer's head of security i did an episode on him you know he he killed his entire family mm-hmm. and then just thought he was just gonna live his life yeah you know they just think they're gonna this burden's been taken off of them and they're just gonna be able to just yeah fuck off you know and it's just it just blows my mind oh yeah and that like they're like this is the answer for sure this is the answer to my problems right i'm like no and you know some of these men too they look like they tell riddles to people under a bridge you know what i'm saying yeah and it's just well, it, it, people <laughs> were like he christian longo just looks so sweet and just so young yeah. and pe- a lot of people described him as boyish yeah anyways well, that was that was a good one. That was the episode. Yeah. yeah. Good job. Thanks. And guys, remember next week, I will not be here. I know. It's so sad. But we'll have a special guest. Yes. And I'll still be here literally and in this house. <laughs> I will be on vacation. I will Anna. also be on vacation, but it's a staycation. Yeah. At my house. <laughs> yes. My son will finally get his Make-A-Wish trip. So, yep. yay. So it'll be fun. Yep. Alrighty. Bye, guys. Bye. We'd like to thank Mikey Kinley for audio and editing and our friend Avalyn Yulaberry for our cover art. Make sure to like and follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. Our Instagram is M3Podcast and you can find us on Facebook under the name of our podcast, which is Murder, Mayhem, and Merlot. (laughs) 